Hi, everyone, and welcome to the News Agent Podcast. I'm Susie Lysett, Content Manager at Goodlord, and this episode is a recording of our webinar asking, are you an above average letting agent? We had a panel of experts join on this occasion to share their experiences and insights. So you'll hear from Gina Peters, partner at Dutton Gregory, Glenn Perry, founder and managing director at Zest Sales and Lettings, and Neil Baldock, director at Charles David Casson. Goodlord's Ollie Sherlock hosted the session where data from our state of the lettings industry report 2023 was used to spark conversation around what an above average agent looks like today. So without any further ado, on with the podcast. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this installment of the Good Lord webinar. Um, I'm joined by a number of guests today. Uh, my name is Ollie Sherlock. I'm Director of Insurance here at Good Lord. Um, and we're here to discuss um, uh, agency, really. We're, we're here to go through some of the findings of our State of the Lettings Industry Report. Um, and it, it's a pleasure to be joined today by Gina Peters, uh, Glenn Parry and Neil Baldock. Um, I'll, I'll introduce all these guys. will introduce themselves shortly. Um, we're going to be discussing, uh, discussing, are you above an average agent? Um, and we've got some interesting findings. Um, some of you may have seen, actually, that we've already released some of these findings out in, into the ether. Um, uh, the, the point around salary, I think, got particularly uh, interesting debate on uh, pages like Property Industry Eye this week. So looking forward to to understand everybody's point of view and, and, and reaction, really, to the findings we've had. And in order to do that, like I say, I'm joined by some, some fantastic guests. Um, Good morning, Gina. How are you? Good morning, Ollie, and everybody. Um, yeah, Gina Peters here, uh, leader of the residential land on tenant team at Dutton Gregory. Um, so I am not on the cold face by any means, but Glenn and Neil will be able to provide some decent um, observations um, on your findings. Um, but I have come at it from a little bit of a different perspective. But as a business owner, there's still going to be some great, um, great contributions from me too. Indeed. And you see sort of the the, um, like you say, not maybe on the coal face, but you definitely see the back end of the process when it does or doesn't work and, and sort of help support um, resolution there. So very intriguing to see your views uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know, agency and, and, and how and hopefully we can we can improve as, as, a, as a collective. Um, Glenn, you are very much at the coal face. Um, to sort of introduce yourself, please, Glenn, to, to, to all the people joining. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Ollie. And morning, Gina and uh, Neil. Um, yeah, obviously, we work in Bath. Uh, we have a lettings uh, agency in Bath. We manage several hundred properties in Bath. Half of that is students. So um, that comes with its own specific challenges as well. Uh, we have a team of approximately 18. Um, and again, with that um, comes its challenges. But uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And hopefully, I can uh, join the conversation and add some value. Fantastic to have you, Glenn. And finally, um, we're joined by Neil Baldock, um, uh, once known as a LinkedIn sensation, I think, Neil. Um, I don't know how you, how you fit into your day. Uh, and also a supreme boxing hero, if I remember rightly, from last year's um, uh, White Collar Boxing event. How's it going this morning, Neil? It's going very well, mate. I haven't boxed for, um, I think that was about literally a year ago, four days ago, and I haven't was boxed since. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. But, um, yeah, no, thanks for having me on. Nice to see everybody. And um, I've got an agency, Charles David Casson, in uh, Chelmsford in Essex. Um, similar kind of size by the sound of it to, um, to Glen. I think we manage just over 500 properties now, um, including HMOs and um, single lets. And uh, I've also got a, a network of agents called the HMO Network as well, which is um, like a national network of specialist HMO letting agents. 
and and Neil, you also do things with other agencies, right? In terms of um, a uh, a club whereby you can converse with other agencies, it's ring fence just to agencies um, to really ensure that you know you're, you're supporting each other, right? So improving the industry feels like it's close to your heart. Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, I mean, um, so my brother's my business partner. We just host a dinner uh, called the EA Directors Club once a month down in London, um, which is literally that, mate. And I'm afraid we have banned suppliers to make it a safe space uh, and <laughs> a no-sales space for agents to come along. Um, but, yeah, it's simply a dinner once a month where uh, business owners can come along and um, just chat business and, and challenges they're having to people that are in the similar situation to them. Well, it's great to have you all on on board today, and thank you so much for your time. I appreciate everybody is is, is really busy still. Uh, the market is still hot for varying different reasons, some of which will, will come on today. And at this stage, um, it's worth pointing out for thirty seconds at tops um, exactly who Good Lord are. Um, Good Lord are a free tenancy platform uh, and business to support letting agents across the UK um, to help become more efficient, um, ensure they stay compliant and also support improved and increased revenue streams. Um, if you want to understand more about our business, um, you can get a demo or book a demo via um, www.goodlord.co. Um, and you can understand a bit more about maybe new features, um, including landlord terms of business, um, including our rent protection insurance proposition, of which we've just added a brand new delivery service called Landlord Optin, um, and also all the way through to lettings accounts and rent collection. Some of the newer things that we now do as standard as part of our services um, have become a mainstay, actually, for, for many customers. If you want to understand more about how we can put all of that together in a platform that feels like yours, is yours, uh, and, and delivers, hopefully, a, a better level of service to your customers, then please do reach out to us. For anybody that's joined these sessions before, this really isn't about good lord. Um, this is about you know, mostly understanding the kind of challenge we face and discussing those through and trying to find sort of ways that we can we can improve. And we, we, we cover a, di- a whole range of different subjects. Um, it just so happens today we're focusing on the state of the lettings industry, industry report. This is an annualized uh, report that we uh, that we release. Um, a lot of work goes in to compiling all the data. Um, and I would urge you to download it uh, and read it. Um, I would also urge you to share this with your customers. There's some really interesting stuff in there, not just about you, but also about customer sentiments and feelings. So if you feel uh, persuaded by that, please go on to our website um, and download the the state of the lettings industry report. But from this report, we're going to discuss a number of different points. Um, and there's a couple we're going to cover. So we're going to talk about what it's like being a letting agent in 2023. Um, I was a letting agent not in 2023. Goodness me, it's actually, I think, about 16, 17 years ago, which is frightful. Um, so I, I, I'm definitely not as close to the day-to-day and working-wise, but we still work with letting agents every single day here at Good Lord. And we're, it's fantastic to be joined by um, some agents uh, and agency figures to to really guide us through and give us a, a, an understanding of what it's like being a letting agent uh, in these current times. And again, the Q&A is open for, for you guys who are joining us to to participate too. Um, we're also going to discuss how new um, legislation changes are impacting agents' attitudes. Now, um, there have been a lot of changes, um, and there's a lot more changes proposed. We're going to touch on maybe the difference between a proposed change, when do we think changes are happening, etc. But these things have a real-life impact, whether they happen or not. Um, the EPC uh, legislative piece, I think, is a really good example of where impact can be uh, can be found without things actually changing, and, and, and they can have dramatic consequences. We're going to cover that. We're also going to think about what landlords um, think of letting agents. What's the perception of our, our arguably key customer? 
um, and how do they feel? And we're also going to look at tenants' perceptions too. Um, you, of course, as letting agents are instructed by the landlord, hence why I say a key customer. They are your client, but tenants are a very important uh, part of that ecosystem too. Um, and we're going to discuss how how they perceive the industry, but also how we value uh, value those tenants themselves. And finally, we've got some time at the end, hopefully for, for the Q and A. Um, uh, my normal process here is to in- involve the, the, the questions as we go through the session. So please don't wait until the end. Um, please fire those through to us if you do have any, and we can we can try and answer those as we go. So um, I'm going to start with you, Glenn, if I may. Um, there are a number of um, things that are challenging uh, to letting agencies. There's a number of uh, good things that happen when you're letting agents as well. They, you know, the, 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 it's a varying job depending which role you play within that letting agency. Very simply, Glenn. What's it like being a letting agent in 2023 for you? Um, for me, actually, it's really exciting because we have a great team and we are um, at a size and a stage in our growth as a, a business and as an agent and be adaptable um, to those stresses and those changes. But no doubt there are many of them. Um, and um, yeah, go ahead. Did you want to say something? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say it's exciting, it's stimulating, it's no day it is the same, as we know, that's cliche, but it genuinely is different. You're working with so many different types of personalities and different people and genuinely looking to find new ways to add value and, and be of service. So um, I enjoy it. Um, our team tend to enjoy it as well. So that that makes it makes it great as well. Um, it's not all roses. There's no doubt about that. And there's a lot of challenges and there are stresses. And I'm sure we'll cover that here today. And, and Neil, talking of those stresses, um, how do you think being a letting agent in 2023 maybe compares to being a letting agent five years ago, for example? What have been, what have been the major changes or challenges um, in that time? Yeah, I think the, I think the thing is with the, um, being a letting agent, you're almost taking on, the stresses of your client, aren't you? So um, we are, you know, and we've had over the last five years constant changes, um, and as you say, constant proposed changes. And at the moment, it feels like we've got a whole raft of stuff coming all at once, and not just with the legislation, but where we've also seen the interest rates rise. So the landlords are under stress financially because their mortgage mortgages have all become more expensive. Um, you know, the tax changes that have happened. So landlords are actually finding it hard to make a profit. That then, those stresses then filter down to the agent because we've got to show even more value now to make them want to keep using us as an agent and justify our management fees. Mm. So I think it's just, um, it feels like as an agent, we're having to constantly justify our value to clients, um, which isn't, always a nice place to be but if you do that well then i think you can um you know you can do very well and and gina you you see sort of a, a different side of agency like you say you're not on the on, on the shop floor as it were um how do you think the how do you think being a letting agent has changed and, and what, what's your perception of of, of of sort of letting agencies in 2023 i think they've got a much broader stress <laughs> to cope with now um the media are very, very quick off the mark, unfortunately, with any changing legislation. And they tend to, as we know, um, catastrophize um, things that are happening in the media. So the very mention of, and I didn't think I was going to mention it, but the Renters Reform Bill, for example, where they said abolition of Section 21, you know, that's going to grab a headline. 
And it's up to letting agents to then just calm everything down. And certainly for business um, leaders like Neil and Glenn, you know, they are having to, to probably train their own staff to keep the face um, and the worth of their agency in the faces of those landlords. Um, and, you know, there, there is wave after wave of these changes. So, you know, it's not an easy task. Um, but, I mean, everybody from, you know, letting agents to lawyers to, to just about everybody, every industry is struggling with their own personal stresses as well as the business stresses. So you put the two together and it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's probably at its highest level it's been in a long, long time. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, we kind of when we're building this pack out, so we're thinking of where we see the challenges. If we go to the next slide, please, Steph. Um, there, I think there's a number of uh, of different things that we're facing as an industry. Um, and one of the, one of the things at the top of the list for me is the is the current supply and demand imbalance. Um, and we talk about sort of change in, in in legislation, and we talk about how impactful that can be on quite an immediate. Term right in terms of goodness, we have to change my process. Goodness, we have to I have to service another document, or I have to remember to do something different, or, or change what I do. But in reality, um, I think it's fair to say, and I'm happy to be challenged on this: the um, the way that um, the PRS has been managed from a governmental perspective has meant that it's been squeezed further and further. Um, and you only have to look at the home building targets that are now no longer targets is the best way to hit a target is remove it um, and say it's aspirational to say that there aren't enough homes in the UK to house all of the demand um, that's there. And I wonder, Glenn, as an agent, how you how you manage that, because it's felt to me in in the last couple of years, especially that, um, you know, the focus that agencies have to give is moved not just onto landlords, but also onto tenants, because there seems to be a real awareness within our customer base anyway of of how difficult it is to be a tenant at the moment one to find a property that's suitable two understanding that the market forces i mean that rents are increasing these two things together um are compound i mean how have you as a as a business managed that uh, in the last year or two especially you're absolutely right ollie and i think with that there's an inherent um undercurrent of resentment from tenants because they find themselves in this position um, they're having to pay a lot more money. They're having to battle to find the property, whether that's a, a cohort of students with HMOs that uh, Neil you deal with as well, um, or whether it's a family looking to secure a place near the school for their kids. Um, you know, we're dealing with sometimes 30 to 50 applicants for one property. Um, and that in itself comes with a huge operational challenge and also to manage again the expectations of those tenants who are going to be disappointed. Um, so we have to look at working really smart as to how we manage that. And that is managing um, emotions of tenants. And it's also managing that workload so that actually we remain viable ultimately. Mm. It's so important. Somehow we've mentioned it twice on this on this slide. I've, I've just realized. So apologies there. We've got supply and demand and balance twice listed. Um, and I, I think, you know, managing that it means that actually you, you've really got to make sure that I suppose as, as an agent, you're qualifying every element of what you do, right? You're well, qualifying the landlord maybe in a more um, vigorous way than you once did to ensure the property meets a certain standard. I and mean, we're, you know, I don't want to sort of get get into a renters reform debate, but, you know, elements of that was the decent home standard. I think, you know, agents 
agencies are, are a conduit to try and ensure that, you know, and guide landlords to live the best possible property. And I, I recognize with my experience that most landlords think their property is the best property, no matter what. So you've got a challenge there. But um, in terms of, um, in terms of tenants, um, uh, Neil, um, what have you seen on the ground in your in your areas? What, what have you seen activity be from tenants? Are you are you being overrun by demand here, or is this a is this a localized issue? What's your view? Yeah, no, I mean, I think um, certainly an area and every agent I speak to across the country is just inundated with tenant demand, um, almost to a point where you know we just can't handle the amount of inquiries and like we're having to put extra technology in place to handle those incoming inquiries. You've got like, it is going to be a challenge. You've got landlords who can't get through sometimes because the whole team's on the phone answering inquiries. So, you know, trying to staff and resource the agency efficiently so you do stay viable um, is difficult. And I think the other thing to mention is that, the public perception, I, I feel like the tenants feel that it's the agent that's driving up the rents. So when renewals are happening and rents are substantially increasing at the moment, um, whereas you know perhaps over the last few years they've always risen very very gradually, now we're seeing a bit more spiking in the rental prices, certainly mm. across Essex. Um, but the public perception is that's the agent, that's, that's the greedy agent who's driving up the rents, when in fact it's it's not, is it? It's just the simple economics that if you take stock out of the market and create that supply and demand imbalance um, and increase landlords' costs, then ultimately rents are going to rise. Mm. And, and that is the beauty of a free market in, in the sense that it, it should regulate itself. And I'm yet to hear, in my personal opinion, a sensible argument as to as to why and how we would change that, because ultimately we recognise or I recognise things like you know rent controls. They simply don't they simply don't work. And you know we've got a, a point made actually uh, by Charles on the on the Q and A. Good morning, Charles. I hope you're well. Um, he says stresses on letting agents vary depending on location. A lot of the changes mentioned in the Rents Reform Bill have already been in place in Scotland for many years. We also have rent controls and a moratorium on evictions in Scotland. Indeed, they do. And you've only got to look at what's happened at rental prices in in Scotland to know that actually those controls don't hold the weight that that, that, that they should or be intended to. And we've seen vastly increasing rents in Scotland. So, you know, the free market does have an answer for this. But at the same time, you're right, Neil, that there's this there's this weight, further weight on letting agents, right, as it's deemed that they're the ones that are really sort of fueling that. Um, and, you know, whilst I think in any industry we accept there is, there is you know, there is some agents and, and some, you know, um, individuals that maybe don't act in the proper way, 99.9% of agents, I believe, are, are good. Um, and they're there to serve, you know, clients as best they possibly can. Um, I want to come back onto your point actually around staffing because that's one of the key takeaways from our state the, the lettings industry report. So I'll come back to that briefly. But um, uh, if we can just go back a slide, please, Steph. Um, but um, uh, but I, I want to sort of touch on competition uh, because if you look over the last sort of ten to fifteen years, um, I think it's fair to say that the the market around lettings uh, agents has has, has ballooned. Um, I remember being uh, an agent, like say, many years ago, and actually at that time it felt lettings was somewhat the ugly, <laughs> ugly sister almost. Sales was really where where the money was at, and lettings was a byproduct. And then we went through, uh, it, to my recollection, what two thousand and eight, the, the kind of crash then, and actually all of a sudden um, you saw far more far more businesses that you'd sell homes now rent homes, and you saw saw far more entry entry to market. Um, what are we seeing, guys? Um, back to you, Glenn, on this in terms of competition are you seeing this now wane because ultimately logic would suggest if there's less property available there's less property to get around 
there's less opportunity maybe for, for letting agents. Do you think we're going to see letting agents um, from a volume perspective decline now um, yeah. o- o- over the future sort of year or two, or do you think we'll continue to see a surge of competition? Yeah, and that's a short answer. I think there will, I mean, there'll always be an element of competition, but I think there could be a decline in those independents and those startups. I, re- I recall 2008, that's when I launched Zest um, some 15 years ago um, to, to this week. And basically, um, in the height of that crash, there were about seven other agents that launched that same year, um, all on the letting agent front. Um, they, I think most of them all went out of business within 18 months, which is sad in diamond of any business that starts up and, and the trajectory of actually getting that foothold is tough. But I think now we are seeing a decline in some of those small agents. And that's, it's not just down to the supply demand, but I think it's also these stresses that you talk about. I'm in a very fortunate position. We have an established team and an established portfolio. But if I was at a different stage, maybe a different geography, different stage of our journey, it, I might be one of these people that's coming to me and saying, look, as a fellow business person, I'm really struggling. I don't think I can stay in this for much longer. And then the big corporates with the deep pockets come in and perhaps swallow that agency. Mm. And, um, and so therefore there are less on the ground. I don't know about you, Neil, how you're, you're in that same boat of meeting with, um, fellow letting agents. What, 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 what do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I would agree. I think, um, I just wanted to quickly say, Ollie, that rang true what you said about people, you know, lettings was like the poor relation at one point. When I started mm. in, in like 2002 and I was working for a corporate, um, we were actually just, me and my brother were in sales. We didn't do lettings. The lettings was upstairs. And if a landlord came in, you used to say, oh, no, lettings is up there, mate, and then you know, back to your computer. Yeah. We always say it's total tide turn now because you'll roll out the red carpet if a landlord was to turn up at your office, wouldn't you? So yeah. um, I, I totally agree with what Glenn's saying. I think there's um, – interestingly, I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation in the market because I think probably people that have been running businesses for like 25, 30 years now are probably at the stage where – all this legislation, yeah, maybe it was easy back then and now it's not. And, and they just are fed up with it and, and mm. tired of it. And interestingly, any of the act, like we've done a few acquisitions, as you know, and the ones that we've done, interestingly, they always tend to have low fees, um, which suggests one of the reasons they need to be acquired is because they can't actually make the business work anymore. Yeah. So we have the same. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think yeah, I, I could spend an entire hour talking about fees and value because i I, i've long championed the um the the thought that letting agents devalue themselves and um i think there's just so many fantastic businesses out there that offer a plethora of different services and i think the struggle and i really sympathize the struggle the struggle is to really just talk about and 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 explain to landlords why you're different and of course, you know, with that struggle in mind, what then happens, because landlords are price sensitive, of course, they then look at the baseline fee. And it feels like we all have to entertain the same fee in order to have a, have a, a, a you know, a, an ability to even have a run in the race, let alone win the race. So it's, you know, it's, it's really hard uh, to do that. And actually, you know, often in, in industries, things like this are cyclical, right? You go through a big boom and then things sort of dissipate a bit. Then you go through a big boom again. And actually, your point there, Neil, of, of agencies wanting to exit, I think it's cyclical anyway. I mean, to run a business more than 25 years is a big demand, especially if you're successful, because, hey, you're doing it for a reason. I absolutely buy into the fact, though, that the suggestion of heavier and heavier legislation that feels in some respects to some people not well through and problematic 
I imagine that's going to light a fuse a bit quicker to say, you know what, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to exit. But um, Ginny, you see the you see a different side to this. Like I said, we're not you're not on the front of the coalface, but you do see from a business perspective, um, in some respects, the fallout when things don't quite work. Um, do you think the the standard of agency is better today um, than maybe it was five or ten years ago, even or even going back further? Hugely. Um, I completely get the Neil's comment about, you know, just being the poor relation upstairs, round the back, whatever, out of sight, out of mind almost. There's no way. Um, most of our uh, work does come from agents. Um, and, you know, we pride ourselves in being able to educate those agents to staying professional in front of their own clients. And that's how it works. Um, but, I mean, we have the same. Unless a business is properly set up, and the business owners are watching for that person that can come in and succeed to them in terms of their business and maintain it. If that is what their purpose is um, for their business, if they're going to, you know, if they're not going to pre- prepare for that succession, and it happens in um, the legal world all the time, if they haven't prepared for the succession, then that business will inevitably either be bought up, swallowed up by a big um, corporate, um, or will just fold. Um, so there, there are all sorts of, um, uh, of kind of pressures on, on agencies, even though that seems further ahead, you've still got to start planning for it, but they are by far and away, um, a much more professional, um, they are a profession and people need to start absolutely believing in that. And it's the trade bodies that are actually kind of driving that forwards. Um, but it, it is such an important role, um, which is why I like, you know, helping, helping everybody in it because mm. it's. It, it is rising. It's becoming way more complicated than it ever was. Um, but it's such an important role to, you know, when we've got cost of living at such a high rate, rent, rentals are becoming you know, almost the norm for people, you know, at, at the kind of, you know, the 18s, 19s and the early 20s. They, they've got to rent. There's no other way around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I absolutely agree with, 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 with how the industry has improved. And I think, it's actually one of the reasons why um, I'm personally supportive of of, of of further regulation on letting agents. I think they have a hard, hard time justifying why they're professionals, and I know them to be professionals. And I just recognise that if you have an ability to say, "Look, we are regulating, we we meet a certain level," you know that can validate your professionalism. And I appreciate that's a nuanced view. And you know, actually, my position, you know, isn't on the coal face, so therefore doing those things and having those regulations are are maybe more of a burden. But um, I just I just get how good most businesses are out there and actually how much support they give not only landlords but also tenants i strongly believe that if you're you're going to a letting agency uh, as a tenant and you have that umbrella and that support methods around you you are in a better position than you would be if you're going directly to the landlord in most cases um i think letting agents offer huge value for, for, for all parties involved um and talking of value um uh, you mentioned it, Glenn, earlier. In terms, of you have quite a well-established team. Neil, you talked about um, you know the the demands, meaning you have to scale and ensure that you've got the people around you to to to, to mean to meet those demands. Um, and ultimately, that comes at a cost, of course. And interestingly, we we, we asked this question um, as part of the the industry report. Um, and and it and we we focused somewhat of this on salary, um, but also workload and stress. And and half of agents um, said that that most days they feel stressed. Um, and 62% um, said their workload had increased in the past year. And I, I think that's almost speaking to the point that these are pressures and, and the demands of the market, of our free market forcing themselves on agencies, they do create a workload and then they create a cost. Um, 
And ultimately, you can see here on the screen the average salaries. Now, this is taking all job roles uh, and levels of seniority into account. So it's a melting pot in some respects. So it's not a clear indicator that if you're, a, you know, if you're a um, a, a trainee neg in London, um, feel free to go and ask your boss for forty-seven thousand um, pounds. You probably won't get it though. This is the melting pot of all of the all of the roles combined. Um, and I'm going to sort of start with you, Neil. Um, and ask the obvious question, and it's not a loaded one. Um, do you think there's roles within, within our industry that are underpaid? Yeah, I think I do. I think the difficulty we have is with all obviously we're a commission driven industry, so people historically have had low basic wages and then topped up by commission. Um, I'm quite, I'm quite shocked. I, I'm glad you clarified that that was. Uh, all levels of seniority because I feel that we pay quite well in Essex um, but we probably, you know, for some roles we wouldn't meet those sort of figures and I'm thinking, mm. crikey. So, um, but yeah, I get that that's obviously um, all levels of seniority. But yeah, I mean, I do because I think certainly one thing we're big about is championing, and again, I think they've been like missed in the past, is the property managers. That's where mm. a, lot, a lot of value is within our business because they look after the clients. That's where a lot of the um, legal knowledge is within the business, um, and and I guess yeah, compared to perhaps some other industries, um, they're not that well compensated. But you know, you can only do what you can do in line with the industry and, and making sure that you keep your business viable, but also try and compensate people as well as you can to keep them motivated. Mm. No, indeed, it has to work, right? Otherwise, to your, to your point of, of a low-fee business, often in your experience being the one that's acquired, the business runs the risk of falling over and then nobody's got a job and that, that, that clearly isn't isn't beneficial. I think um, it, to this point, Glenn, do you find it difficult to attract talent? appreciate you've got a, a from, what I, from what I said, a well-formed team, which has some longevity, but I imagine even with that, you know, life happens, uh, people come and go. Um, how how easy or difficult is it to attract good talent at the moment into, into the letting agency space? Yeah, I think it can be a challenge, definitely. Um, I think, um, I mean, with all that's going on in the economy, the truth is we do have a low unemployment um, situation, don't we? And, um, and therefore, again, uh, finding that talent and also finding people that are willing to move or ready to move or um, it's about the timing, isn't it, for people? And um, again, with, with what's going on in the economy, people are less likely to perhaps be seeking something else. They, they might be thinking, all right, I'm just going to knuckle down where I am. I'm not looking for anything else right now. That's a bit of a vulnerable thought. Um, but just touching on what um, Neil said, I think the other thing about just compensating well is is retaining people so you're not in that boat as well as possible mm -hmm. just keeping people on board keeping them motivated like you say um offering other things as well you know and just being adaptable there you know mental health has come into it in a big way since covid um and you know we've we've paid quite a few thousand pounds in in counseling for um staff you know to be supported there um, and that's a reality. Um, it's not just our student cohort on our HMOs that are coming forward with mental health challenges. It's also staff as well. So mm. that's something we have to be mindful of. Yeah, and I think those those challenges speak to things above and beyond money, right? And money, of course, is an important factor when either being an employee or an employer, and you want to be competitive on both sides of that coin. Um, and, you know, creating a culture that it feels proactive and progressive um i think helps helps balance um you know the other priorities that people look for both in a role but also 
I, I, I often believe that shines through in the delivery of the service you then give. You've got to have people that um, are hopefully, you know, happy and feel in a progressive environment and a positive mm-hmm. culture. And if we go on to the next slide, um, Steph, this really explains, I think, by role um, enjoyment. Now, um, of course, this is somewhat subjective and, you know, if we're asking people directly and depending on what mood they were in that day, they may well have answered differently. Um, I get that. Um, but what's, what's clear here is that, you know, the, the sort of the, the, the entry level roles, um, feel they really don't enjoy them as much. 30% of those roles, um, would disagree with the statement, um, that says most days I enjoy my job. Um, but even then, you can see that 70 percent are are broadly in agreement or really agree. So, um, you know, I'm sure if we were to do this in other sectors, in other different roles at that level, my guess is that 30 percent would maybe be much larger because I I, I believe that the, the letting agent space is pretty variable. Um, you know, the opportunity to deal with different things every single day. Um, it, it's not a um, it's not a monotonous, hopefully, environment. And I'm sure all of you can testify that, uh, you know, you, you're not working in a monotonous space. I'm, I imagine your landlords are telling so different things that you every single day. Um, I'm going to go right to the top of this chart. Though. I'm coming to you, Gina, here. Um, we've got 1.9% of managing directors or CEOs saying they do not enjoy their job most days. Why do you think that could be? That jumped out at me, this this stat. <laughs> I think that, that it's lonely at the top, frankly. Um, it, you know, you're not everybody's best mate. Um, you have to make some important decisions. You're not going to be, um, you're going to be perhaps a little bit distanced unless you have a brilliant manager below you to actually support all your staff. So the fact that the entry level is, you know, quite significant on this graph. Um, I mean, I've actually spoken to an agent within the last 24 hours who's, who knows somebody who started in an agency. I won't say where it is at all, but southeast. Um, and they, they have no apparent induction at all. You know, they've just arrived. They're kind of just learning on the, on the job. Now, that sort of thing isn't going to help cement those people into the culture. They, they need to feel immediately needed wanted whatever the you know those phrases are because they need the youngsters coming in are needing that instant feel of worth to Mm. to, for want of a better description so the managing directors are you know it's it's very easy for a director to forget how it was when they first arrived you know in their roles so I think that that's definitely a disparity. And also you get stuck in your role at, at, at that level. You know, if you are running a business, you can't just walk off and give notice in like mm. any other um, employee. So there's it's a big difference from being an employee to being, an, uh, you know, an employer. And um, there's way more stresses every day, every single day. So you can't, you know, and if you haven't played, I've mentioned succession, succession before, but if you haven't got somebody behind you driving, what you what you were doing, you know, several years ago, then mm. it's going to be far more difficult to to reduce that stress at the top. Indeed, I think that's, that's a really valid point. Um, and of course, that, that that those individuals are managing all of the things we're talking about on their own shoulders, probably first, and working out how then to to rectify or, or take on those challenges. So people like Neil and Glenn, um, you know, are, are probably you know solutionising before the staff are even aware that there's a potential iceberg ahead, and that that brings its own pressures and stresses. Um, Neil, how, how do you ensure that the majority of your staff, the majority of the time, enjoy their job? Because nobody's I think we're, we're under no illusions that you can't go into work every day and have a fantastic day every single day. You know, life is challenging. Professional life is challenging. But what things do you do to try and create an environment and culture that feels progressive and positive? 
Yeah, I think um, you're right. You can't expect everybody to have a smile on their face every day of the week. We've, we've all got personal things going on as well as challenges in our work lives and everything else. But I think you've just got to have a culture of positivity and uh, and a solutions based culture, and that you, you know, and you don't allow you know when I say don't allow people to go under that. Obviously, people are allowed to have a down day. I think you've got to have an open door culture where. It's, it's acceptable to talk about these things. It's acceptable to come and see the owner of the company and say, you know, I'm not feeling great or got this going on. So I think you've got to have it's, – it's about setting the culture, really, and making sure, um, you know, when when things are serious, you can also have a laugh as well. I think mm. you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to have someone leading that, though, and, and, and when you can notice that people are getting down, you've got to speak to them and try and bring them back up and not let them sink. And and Glenn, in terms of the um, the mechanisms in which guide positivity, normally they'll sit in key results, right? They'll sit in: Are we doing well as a team? Are we? Am I doing well as an individual? Are we doing well as a business? Even um, you know, depending on the size of business, um, that that could be a concern. Um, how do you target your staff? And um, you know, do do you take a varying? Do you sort of vary what good looks like? I suppose over the course of a year, do you have set KPIs? Is it more relaxed than that? How do you manage that side of the, of the business? Yeah, I mean, we're an independent, so we're more nimble. We don't, we're not like a so rigid as big corporates with with KPIs that are coming out of their ears, you know. And people get drowned by that, don't they? Um, but yes, we do have specifics for each um, department and each um, team member. Um, but they're not defined by that. The, the level of success isn't defined by that. It's about their character, about how they deliver on our service, how they are adaptable and how they cope with with their stresses and their personal challenges and their own goals within their roles. So, and what Gina said was absolutely right about with new starters, you know, building that culture right from the beginning so they feel included is fundamental and, and that they, they don't feel that they've lost their way with anything. Um, but I, I'm fascinated by that stat, though, that 30% of that entry level are not necessarily satisfied. And, and I personally feel like that is to do with the generation that is coming through. Um, it is a slightly different generation and is, is very different to the work ethic, perhaps, that um, I grew up with. And so we need to be mindful of that. They think that sometimes things are just going to turn up on their plate straight away and that they when they haven't necessarily earned the right yet. And they, you know, and the other thing is they're often comparing themselves that, you know, they've grown up with the social media culture, which is the culture of comparison, isn't it? And they say comparison is the thief of joy. Well, they're comparing their roles with other people's roles that have been here for years and have developed a lot of experience and skills and they're comparing their package and everyone talks. So it's like, we need to be mindful, I think of that as well, because, um, and we need to, as business owners, educate them that actually they will they will develop and they will they will shine and they and they will get their rewards but it won't be overnight you know and they've got to work hard for that so that's a reality check i think as well um yeah but there's i mean there's so much um to try and get people to um like like also neil said a, a safe place a safe workspace that's fundamental that where they feel that they can trust everyone um in a big open plan office under stress in the summer people can just you know say something that maybe they shouldn't whereas actually we need to help them feel safe to like just go into a private room and, and have a chat with someone about that you know mm -hmm. uh, otherwise it can build it can build a negativity very quickly um i think that's important 
I think that generational uh, point you make is interesting, and I wonder whether um, yeah, we run the risk potentially of, of sounding like two old grumpy men who well, things have changed, and uh, I don't like change. Um, I, I wonder whether it's it's about adapting. Um, it's adapting to where people want to go rather than where they are, and um, and signposting um, exactly what this looks like. And I think. You know, when you look at any induction across any business, to your point, Gina, that there is no induction. I can imagine if there was no induction in a role and I was sort of 19, 20 years old, I'm not going to be very happy in my job because I don't even know what good looks like. Um, and maybe further to that point, I, I, I recognize there are generational differences. I don't think that's misguided. And I think signposting that actually look at look at the way this industry can progress people. Um, I was I was fortunate enough to be involved in the the best estate agency guide this week and the judging panel and looking at different agencies and looking at different individuals. Goodness me, we're a good a good industry. You know, we really have so many people that we should be so proud to be working alongside. Not just because they're really nice people, but you know, how many people do you know that have started at this level and then form over the course of you know, even as as it is five to ten years, they're they're up to a senior department head or they're managing their own business. That's what this industry can give, and it's full of opportunity. Um, and I think you know sometimes it's probably easy for businesses to put people into into brackets and say, well, they're new, so they they can't possibly any more than they have to serve their time. Actually, I don't recognise across the industry that's true. You see people developing at light speed because if they're good communicators, if they're hard workers, you know that they're, they're really sort of taking an interest in their environment and their space they're ultimately going to flourish and you know there's not many industries actually that you can walk into and have the opportunity um you know as much as i talk about regulation being a positive thing you don't have to go and sit an exam you don't have to have a certain qualification you don't have to have gone to university you know this is a people-centered business and that offers huge opportunity to people i think you know sometimes maybe maybe as an industry we could signpost that better potentially to to, to those entrants you're absolutely right ollie and what you said you said that it's, it's almost about them being master communicators and the truth is they don't have to come with um a huge background to be that they it's inherent in a lot of people's character that they are great communicators and so that is something that we do signpost and we do say you know you know you do have what it takes here and um and 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 i think sharing case studies of people who have done that and succeeded with that is a great way to to motivate someone who is a starter definitely yeah i think well said Ollie. Well, well, let's look at some, some some other challenge here because um, it's it's you know it's looking after our staff and creating the, the best culture. Um, I think defines um, a business, but you know ultimately all, all all businesses are subject to change, and indeed um, legislative change um, is something that's been at the top of the agenda for for some time. Um, Gina, from your perspective, um, I imagine in your capacity trying to help enforce um, legal framework and, and deliver, um, you know, good customer outcome across all, all, all parties. I imagine that's somewhat of a challenge when we're in a space that isn't as as um, directive as it could be. Um, it's not overly clear where legislation is heading. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of questions around where it could be heading. So we're in this kind of middle ground at the moment. Um, how much do you? How much sort of does, does ch- new legislative change put pressure on your business and also your customers too? Well, um, I think most people will recognise Dutton Gregory as the, um, the, the lead on the Arla telephone helpline, for example. Um, and I think agents on a day-to-day basis come across so many challenges, particularly if there is a change in legislation ahead. And, you know, and the good ones will want to kind of get ahead of that curve, particularly if it's something that's definitely coming in. Um, I'm not talking about the Register Reform Bill at the moment because that's obviously just getting a bit stuck. Mm. Um, 
But already people are, uh, are correctly thinking about, right, okay, how is this going to impact the business? So as soon as anything launches into the media particularly, the telephone helpline can ring off the hook because, uh, you know, the, the wrong messaging is, is possibly being imparted at that point. You know, everybody's been chatting. It's, you know, it's through the grapevine. Um, that these things, uh, these kind of, they kind of expanded to something that perhaps it isn't, you know, perhaps there's some misunderstanding. And as we all know, you know, the word reasonable in most pieces of legislation, is just a complete headache. And that's why I've got, mm. you know, a, a great job and it will always be there because mm. legislation is never really black and white. So there's always this subjectiveness to it. There's always some degree of discussion about it. Um, and, you know, it's it's a daunting process, particularly if you are talking about this entry level um you know girls and boys who are are really coming in wanting to do a good job and yet they're facing this triage of uh, this barrage rather of of legislation which they have to get to grips with quite quickly and I have the same challenge because of course I'm having to train my star my team to be able to answer those questions more or less the moment that the, the agents pick up the phone and ask about them so we've got to be at that that front edge of this um and it's that's challenging in itself um, but I, I think on the whole, people are right. You know, agents are asking the right questions, um, but it is very noticeable with new legislation, particularly if you know people are on holiday when things start happening. Um, you know, managers are away, whatever. You know, that helpline is very much um, a source that is used um, and, to, and, to get those answers. And it's understandable, right, that the agents um, and landlords um, feel the way they do because it's quite hard to keep up. Um, you know, we we do live in an age where misinformation is prevalent and, and hard to spot. Um, I've got to say, and again, this is this is my personal opinion. It's not helpful when politicians come out and say, you know, one thing and do another, or even worse, say, hey, we're going to scrap this thing. And don't worry, was this a thing in the first place? I mean, I, I dread to think how many calls you got last week about the need of having seven bins, for example, Gino. I mean, you know, it, it, it's a minefield at the moment, uh, I suppose, both politically and how to to understand what direction we're heading in. And, you know, I suppose the, the problem we have in our industry is that we're not talking about a a side uh, a side issue. We're talking about people's homes. We're talking about their the largest investment they've ever made and will ever make. Probably, you know, it is not only really a motive; it's really serious too. And um, you know, I, I don't um, I, I don't begrudge your job in trying to keep up with this and give best place advice in the absence of really clear direction. And you know, again, this today is not about the Renters Reform Bill, but it's a very good example where I think the majority if not all of the industry just want to be ready tell me what i need to do and i will go away and do it you know i don't think many people are hiding under a rock here i think they're well aware that ultimately this thing is changing or is potentially changing but as a business at the moment neil what do you do you know what changes do you make you've got you've got to you, you probably don't change your agreements yet you don't change the set of your business you don't change the way you charge customers because you don't know actually whether you know, within the next year or two, you're moving to a short tenancy. You're not going to get renewal fees. You know, these things matter to businesses, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right, mate. I think you've got to um, you've got to be nimble and agile and, and be. I know there's a bit sort of buzzwords, but you you have to have that within your character and, and sort of. I think you can't make change. Uncertainty is always the creates problem in all of our markets, doesn't it? It creates problem in the housing market when there's uncertainty about things, and it causes problems. In the lettings market when there's uncertain uncertainty about things. But I guess as the business owner, you've got to just stay aware of the changes that might possibly be coming and start putting things in place and having 
you know, you, you have your plan A's, your plan B's, um, and have those discussions with your team so that if something does come overnight, as it sometimes does, um, you can move move on that. And it, mm-hmm. uh, it might be a slightly different point, but I was just thinking about the last slide and and this. I think when you're the recruitment piece is really important as well when you're bringing people into the business because if you've got to have people that want to learn because there's no point being in this industry and not like just wanting to do your job because it's mm. going to change. So when you're bringing people in, you've got to make sure they've got that as a value that they want to learn because we're always going to have to be constantly learning. Um, otherwise, this you know, you're not going to get anywhere in this industry. Mm. I mean, there's a good point on the, on the Q&A, actually, uh, in terms of saying that the changes to legislation have almost become the new norm in the industry. Um, and as professionals, we need to stay up to date with the, with this as much as we can, basically. So it, I think, I think that's exactly the point. We, we have been hit with a lot of change. And I suppose change isn't, isn't absolute either. We've just gone through, um, the last week. Um, and I, I you know, I'm excited about seven bins because that was, that felt slightly odd. I wasn't aware I was ever going to have to have seven bins. Um, what I was aware though is that we, and we did believe that EPC, um, uh, alleged, alleged changes would be enforced. Um, and for, for those who, who aren't upset on this, this was where the, the, there'd been every presumption and, and, and the due process been followed that we were going to see a minimum of the EPC standard being introduced. The question was when, was it next year or the year after? That has now been scrapped. And Glenn, I was reading, um, this week that, um, there was a, an interview with a landlord. I forget where they were based and they'd basically gone and spent 12,000 pounds to get ready for this, this piece of le- le- legislation. Um, and one would argue, well, hang on, you've spent good money to improve your property, which I think is a fair argument. But they have done it on the precursor that they thought they would potentially not be able to rent their property out very near in the future. You know, how how does this sit with you as a, with you as an letting agent, but also you know things like this with with your landlords? Well, I think it's just another moment of despair for landlords isn't it in a way because they are being responsive to what's down the pipe as far as legislation is concerned i mean we have been saying just hold fire if you can um because you there's nothing absolutely set in stone we don't know the dates but that's all very well for us to say that when someone's got a large portfolio um they've got to plan for it and they've got to stagger for that so we've got clients who have also dipped into their pocket in a big way Mm. Um, and are in the same boat as the, the person you mentioned there, Ronnie. So I, I think it, it's for them, it's frustrating. Yes, they can reconcile it with, and, and it's true. Yes, I've improved my property. Um, and all legislation hopefully aims to improve standards across the board, and that's a good thing. Um, but it all, it's, when it's messed around like that, you know, it, it's messing with people's lives and their finances. Mm. And and I think landlords are, are are clearly in a um in a weaker position here, according to this data that you can see on your screen. What I find really interesting about this, and I, I believe this validates um our discussion around the worth of letting agencies um in some respects, because if you look at this, purple is the um uh our letting agents, um the green is uh are landlords. And what you can see here is that when we look at at a lack of confidence, the question here is how confident are you that you you are set to cope with future leg- legislation changes? Um actually, you know, nine point eight percent of landlords are not confident at all. Um and twenty point five percent of landlords are not so confident. Um now when you compare that to the agency numbers, only one point six percent of letting agencies hold no confidence at all, and only eight point nine are not so confident. 
that tells us that agents are engaged, that they are sort of being educated to, 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 to the point that was in the chat a minute ago. Um, you know, you are as a, as a body of, of professionals trying your very best to keep up to date with exactly how we can take on these challenges. And and frankly, that's exactly why, you know, this arm of our business exists, because we want to support agencies to, to, to be able to, you know, discuss these things and try and be better. Um, and interestingly, when you flip this the way around and you look at confidence, um, only 11, 11.5% of landlords are very confident, uh, but 27.4% of agents are very confident um, that they're going to, to cope in the future with legislative changes. So um, that tells me anyway from that, that, that data set that the agency world is ahead of the game versus landlords. And and I would argue another good reason why agents exist. Um, and, you know, when it comes to this this kind of stuff, Gina, what do you see the fallout to be in the split? Do you, do you have a view on, you know, problems, problem areas maybe when there's a letting agency involved versus just a landlord involved? Is that something that you see as part of your business? Uh, we do, definitely. Um, however, one thing from those um, those graphs that strikes me is that, you know, there is a massive opportunity there for agents if landlords are not that confident in legislative matters. Um, and, you know, I've I've been asked to do um, talks with local um, letting agents um, to increase the awareness for their own landlords and provide confidence and that's that's one that's one thing that you know all agents could actually uh, you know try and adopt you know just get a lawyer in you know a friendly lawyer local lawyer who's prepared to kind of give these updates you know on you know for, for nothing basically um because mm. actually you know that's that's part of what we do we're not just all about uh, you know the the, the process because we're a distressed purchase at the end of the day. We're the last people you really need to see, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But actually, agents need to feel confident that actually, that, you know, there's other professionals out there that they can actually lean on when things do go really wrong. But to, and to actually build that relationship with a with a, a lawyer is it's not a bad plan because it takes the weight off them. They can then bro- um, showcase their own agency at that particular talk which is exactly what happened last week with for me on, on one particular agency. Um, and and then I get to do the the bit that, you know, they might not feel so confident about um, in a way in which I can actually break down, you know, those barriers that often um, legislation has, i.e. it's complicated, I can't understand it. Um, so I can just do it in, very simple, in a very simple way. Then it's kind of a win-win for everybody in the room. So I, I definitely think that there's, you know, Agents can actually, you know, work with other professionals to actually help them stay ahead of the game somewhat. And, and actually, this may be the way in which, and we'll probably come to this in a minute, um, that uh, the, the those landlords who are still reticent about holding, uh, you know, about allowing an agent to manage their uh, portfolios completely um, under a, a full management service, that that's the opportunity right there. Mm. You know, perhaps you can persuade more by by building those relationships because what we can't do is get why the legislation is coming in you know the legislation is there to keep people safe and unfortunately there is a massive disconnect between landlords agents who tend to be customer and you know principal right there and then the tenant um, and that again is, has come out in some of your your um, your questioning of tenants right. and their perception of agents Indeed. And it's a lovely segue into thinking uh, of how landlords perceive agents themselves, right? Because, um, you know, if if all of these challenges are things that we broadly agree that we're faced with, well, goodness me, landlords face the same challenges. And the, the, the slide before how just sort of shows the impact of that on levels of confidence. Um, Neil, um, 
bit of a reverse psychology question here because you're, you're used to thinking of why agents should uh you know la- partner with landlords and vice versa um so why would landlords avoid using a letting agent in your view well i think they don't well number one they don't know what they don't know so it's massively like all of this legislation is a great opportunity for us as agents and we basically just have to become educators and get our point across but i think yeah they wouldn't they don't use letting agents sometimes because they don't know what they don't know so they don't they still think that we just click a button and print a tenancy agreement and and that's sort of bob's your uncle and that's all done they don't know exactly the in, I think what's interesting, sometimes they know the headline pieces of the legislation, like you have to register a deposit, but they don't know the intricacies that, you know, you then got to serve the prescribed information and the terms and conditions. So they do some of the stuff, but they don't follow it through. Mm. Um, so, and I also think maintenance is a big thing with landlords that, you know, if they've got um, their mate Dave is an electrician, they think, well, I've got that covered. I don't need an agent. So we've got a reverse the fact that actually, yes, we deal with maintenance, but that's a really small percentage of what we do, although it takes up a lot of our time. Our real worth is as your kind of legal advisors and your professional advisors. And and that uh, at that point around, you know, they don't know what they don't know, I think, you know, is is hopefully getting more and more obvious because there, if it does feel like there's more commentary around the PRS than maybe there has been before. And it's in the spotlight for a number of reasons, both from legislative change, but also governmental pressure and housing pressure. Um, how much do you think, uh, how, how easy is it for agencies to come away from, I don't want to use you because of cost? Do you think that's still one of the major factors here? And it's only when then things get a bit troublesome or go wrong that they realise that it's, it's an investment because it's always it's always struck me as slightly odd that you've got individuals who are making sensible investment choices. That's what being a landlord essentially is, but they don't recognise that by paying you know ten plus percent a month is an investment too into protecting the major investment they've made. I mean, it does still feel like price is a is a major indicator here, and then puts pressure on you guys to run a sustainable business. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I think it's the way we um I think it's the way you explain your fees sometimes and we're we're so fixated on percentage um rather than pound note value and actually explaining what the investment is rather than just saying, Yeah, it's ten percent and so and so down the road offered you eight percent, if you actually explain Yeah, and the other thing is everyone says, Oh, full management. And it's like, Well, what does that mean? Because full management in my agency might be quite different. Mm. full management down the road so i think it's we've got to try and change the landlord's mindset on and make it an investment and explain if you don't invest in this and it goes wrong here's the bigger amount that it's going to cost you um and just change their kind of mindset on that Mm. no indeed and it's worth pointing out before we move on to the the, the, the tenant uh, perception you know 50 percent of landlords surveyed uh surveyed said that they um, used a letting agent for some or all of their properties um, so there's 43 percent out there who, who aren't um in adversely to that um it, we are of course in a really competitive space it's it, the hardest thing is probably to win new property um it, it's interesting to think how much time we focus as an industry on that 57 percent or are we doing things that allow us to entertain the 43 percent uh things like educating the pitfalls of why this is a bad thing if you do it yourselves and actually this speaks to um speaks to the point because only 38 percent um uh, of landlords said the main advantage of using agent was to handle the day-to-day running the property that surprised me 
I would have thought that'd be one of the, the corner cents, 50 plus percent. So there's clearly more advantages here. There's clearly more benefits that agents, uh, that landlords see from using agency. Um, I wonder how as an industry we can support each other to expose that 43% and try and help support and educate landlords more thoroughly. Um, landlords are just one side of this. If we go on to, uh, to skip a, uh, two slides, please, Steph. We've got the intro slides, tenants, and then the data. Um, landlords are just one side of this, of course, because tenants are an important part of our ecosystem. Um, from your perspective, perspective, Glenn, um, you know, what do you believe the tenant perception to be? And we've got the data here, but I'm intrigued to know what, how you see it in your business and how much you sort of entertain uh, and spend time with tenants, or maybe, you know, they're part of the process and they have a, have a, have a, have a role in that, but maybe they're not seen as a, as a customer maybe to you. Um, I mean, they're just as important to any person that we have a relationship with, whether it's a staff member, whether it's a contractor coming through the door, whether it's a legal expert, um, the landlord themselves, fundamentally important, not just because they might become a landlord themselves in the future, but ultimately without them, I mean, they're, they're a key part of this journey and, and the process. So no, that's a, that's just a, um, an ethos that is fundamental, I think, in any successful agency. Um, it's a very outdated perception, I think, to put a tenant down the pecking order. Um, similarly, tenants, I think they they maybe have a bit of an outdated perception of agents as well. Um, just and, and and the same with landlords. I think they think that landlords are there's this perception of landlords as very greedy or rich, and and uh, they're taking my money. And um, you know, a lot of landlords, yes, they they might have multiple properties, but others might just have one or two, and and it's just for their retirement or for a legacy for their children. You know, um, and um, so I think that does come into it. I think uh, tenants also, it's our job though to really manage expectations and build relationships with tenants. You know, um, a lot of tenants get stressed, don't they? And, and like you said, Neil, those property managers get get the brunt of that. You know, they get the right hook from down the down the phone. And um, you know, it's about managing expectations. Like like we'll we'll say to a tenant, sometimes a washing machine goes, and it may take two or three days to get someone out. And and they might think that's not good enough. Um, but actually, if you owned your own property and your washing machine went down, it's still going to take two or three days to to get that contractor to come out. Um, so there's, again, this expectation just because we're at the end of the phone, we should be able to sort it straight away. So, again, we have to empathize, but we have to also manage expectations. In, indeed. And I think what's interesting to your point in saying, actually, you know, we focus just as so much time on tenants as we do landlords. Um, that creates, hopefully, uh, an understanding that you're, you're serving and you, you want validation for that service. What's really interesting to this data set is there is a big disparity between the letting agent's view of what they think tenants appreciate and what tenants actually appreciate. 20.4% uh, of the letting agencies who answered this question believed they the the, te- the the agents strongly uh, did uh, the tenants strongly did not appreciate the service letting agency gave. Mm-hmm. Now, when we went and asked tenants this, only six point nine percent strongly disagreed that the experience of the agency is positive. So, in essence, we've got you know we've got you know we've got letting agencies out there going, oh, I really don't think the tenants appreciate everything we do. We work really hard. And tenants going, no, actually, I, I kind of do. I, I do. And what's really interesting is if you look at where this this blends, you know, just up from the the again the letting agency view here being twenty six point eight, slightly disagree that tenants appreciate the work of letting agents. Only fourteen point six. When you look at the tenants' view, the majority um, is in agreement. They agree that it's a positive experience to be the letting agent. Uh, now flip that over. 
you know agencies don't recognize that or they don't believe that so um i would urge you if you're joining a sort of a webinar this morning or indeed listening to the podcast um to, to give yourselves a pat on the back you do a good job and tenants value for you. Um, and I would argue, actually, the more investment you make into that side of your business, the more longevity and of relationship you have with that individual. Um, you know, it's a, it, it's a point that's, that's been banded about for, for years, but today's tenant is tomorrow's um, home buyer or tomorrow's landlord. And, you know, I, I think you know, some excellent brands out there building really strong relationships with tenants that for that reason. And um, this kind of validates the work that the agencies are putting in. So, um yeah, don't be too hard on yourself, guys. When you think about at night, do tenants value you or not? They, 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 they do, according to the to this report. Um, Tony, I think that just to interrupt you there, I think everybody does it though. We always focus on that bit that we didn't quite get right, indeed. or you know, the bit that took a bit longer. And of course, that's why the perceptions flipped um, on it, your graph. I'm sure it must be. It arguably drives you to be better as well. Uh, you could make totally. a strong argument and say, actually, we it's should good. be hypocritical and we should be expecting more. <laughs> and we should expect people to enjoy service more. That drives us forward. But uh, yeah, um, clearly there's a mismatch here and uh, tenants are, are being appreciative, uh, which may, uh, I think, is a nice note uh, to, to, to finish on. Um, thank you to uh, Neil, um, Gina and Glenn. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We are for today out of time. Um, thank you to everybody that's joined us for today's webinar. Um, please watch out for the recording that will be shared um, post this session. For now, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate all of your time. And to everybody watching and listening, thank you very much to you guys as well. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye now.